This is Seattle's Morning News. Dave Ross with Colin O'Brien and Chris Sullivan. What are the less familiar consequences of the Supreme Court's abortion decision? Let's consult with former state attorney general Rob McKenna. Our conversation is sponsored by Madrona Financial Services. One of the more interesting aspects of this, Rob, was that in, I guess, a couple of states, courts restricted the um, the application of these trigger laws on the grounds that the laws were badly written and too vague. I didn't realize that could that could be a possible uh, outcome here because I thought this, once the Supreme Court spoke, you know, the trigger laws would take effect and off we'd go. Well, in at least some states, what the courts are saying is the laws are too vague to give women adequate notice of you know, when they might violate the law, you know, if they seek to terminate their pregnancy. So keeping in mind that some of these laws were adopted by state legislatures 17 years ago, in the case of one state that passed its trigger law in 2005, it wouldn't be surprising to find that uh, they weren't particularly well-drafted and they just aren't clear enough to put women on notice about whether they can seek uh, a medical procedure, let's say, for an ectopic pregnancy. Is that an abortion? Can they order medication and uh, induce an abortion that way? Is that covered? So I think that there's going to be a lot of sorting out that'll have to be done on a state-by-state basis. The idea of seeing uh, a significant number of doctors sent to jail, aren't doctors just going to move out of state and then all women are are high and dry? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that in a place like Texas, the goal is to effectively block doctors from performing abortions unless they fit within very narrow exceptions to the abortion ban. Another interesting question is how these state laws that are now coming into effect will impact access to abortion pills. It's believed that in in most, if not all, of these states that are banning abortion, abortion pills will be banned as well. But what if the the woman wants to order the pill from a provider from out of state, from a doctor in another state where abortion is legal? Doctors in other states where abortion is legal may not be willing to issue those prescriptions because if they're charged with violating that other state's law and they're convicted, it it could conceivably jeopardize their license in in their home state. So it appears that advocates for abortion pills access to those pills are going to be looking overseas because U.S. law, certainly state law, is not going to reach a provider in Europe, for example, or South America or another country that provides the pills. So you may see more women having to access these pills from online pharmacies that ship from overseas. Or I suppose another workaround would be to have a friend in a state where they're legal order yeah. them for you and then give them to you. But of course, they're that's supposed to be prescribed to you. Yeah, it's a risk. So that's a tricky situation also. Well, Washington State, I mean, Governor Inslee has said that he would not cooperate with the, the prosecution of any Washington doctor who did something like that, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and that's understandable that the state of Washington would take that position. But that doesn't mean that there couldn't still be an attempted prosecution of a healthcare provider in Washington who prescribes an abortion pill for Idaho if, if it's illegal there. And uh, I just think a lot of healthcare providers will be very reluctant to take that risk. So it, it seems likely to me that the predictions that women will have to access abortion pills from overseas is, is uh, pretty much uh, accurate. 
Now, the other concept is personhood, which would mean that from the point of conception, a mother is, uh, is incubating a, a full citizen. What would be the consequences of adopting that kind of law? Well, it's very interesting because the state of Georgia's abortion law is written with personhood in mind. It is not the strictest abortion law that's been adopted, but it does have this personhood concept built into it. And the author of the law, the state legislator who was the prime sponsor, said that that's exactly what he was aiming for. He wants personhood to be established for unborn babies, for fetuses, and he believes that means that it will uh, open up opportunities for women who are pregnant and not yet given birth to seek child support, for example. Uh, and it, it may have other implications as well, since under this law, personhood would not be tied to having been born and you know, breathing air. It may mean that women will be able to seek other benefits and rights for their unborn children uh, before they give birth to them. It may be then that the pregnant mother could seek child support from the father of the unborn child for you know as much as the total cost of all direct medical and pregnancy related expenses and then after the child is born the current child support law in that right. state would uh, would kick in so it's pretty interesting from that standpoint uh, the, it also noted that the author of the georgia law uh, representative ed seltzer said that it may mean that women who are pregnant could ride in HOV lanes because if the child's a human being, mm -hmm. uh, they're along for the ride, obviously. Why not? So there, this idea of personhood uh, in Georgia is going to be tested in all kinds of settings, social services, civil enforcement, child support. I don't know. Another interesting angle is taxes. So does the unborn child become your dependent who you can declare on your taxes? I mean, following uh, this state legislator's logic, the answer is probably yes, at least in Georgia. Yes. Former state attorney general, Rob McKenna. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Dave.